We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt, Illinois. That is a mouthful, isn't it, John? It is. <laughs> I am Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. And this is Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. And Matt, I tell you what, I just, I, I don't know, it, it, can you tell in my voice there's like an extra lift, a little lilt, some joy Matt brought into me, and I'm assuming you did this for my birthday, which is the 18th. <laughs> Happy birthday, John. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But he brought me in a great big old bag of Ted Drew's ice cream. And what flavor did you say it was? The, the best, chocolate. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with chocolate. Oh, that is so good. And tell them, tell them how it was that you were able to bring me in a bag of Ted Drew's. Because today is one of the... the it's one of the sure signs that spring is on the way, John. <laughs> we're, we're at the home stretch here when it yeah, comes to winter yeah. because it was the opening day for Ted Drews. Today is, is right? the day. Yes. Is that right? That's right. I See, I would have thought they would have waited at least till March or something, but already here in February, Ted Drews it's is back in It's a little bright spot in the midst of winter. <laughs> it gets you through to the end. But isn't it hard? you got to shovel the snow and scrape off the ice to, to get, get up to there. the frozen custard place. Yeah, I know. I know. Sounds crazy, but... You know, for St. Louisans, that's just the way it is. Yep. In fact, I even got a free Ted Drews magnet for oh, being one of the first people goodness. in line. Is that right? Yes. And I got to shake hands with Travis Dillon, who was running the place. Um, so that's pretty cool. So who's Travis Dillon? I think Dillon? he is Ted Drews' son-in-law. Was oh, that so, right? Is yes. That right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So he said, today's our opening day. And I said, I am well aware of that already. <laughs> it has been on the calendar. <laughs> you actually had this, this it was marked and everything. <laughs> oh, yes. Did you have like a countdown That's thing right. on your <laughs> on your internet? We have a, a 10 you know, days till Ted Drews, <laughs> nine these, days. These red digital signs outside our house that count down the day. <laughs> no, uh, not quite. But yes, this was my first trip to Ted Drews today. Uh, and I, I need to go with the family later. So I'll be oh, stopping by goodness. again. So you've trip already had one. it, and now you're going back again and taking the kids. And That's right. Any excuse, John. Any excuse. <laughs> And might go back that even later to get a late night stack right before you go to bed, maybe. Have well, you never run. know. You, you never, never know. know. It oh, has been right. a few months. So if, if the episode is a little bit better than what it has been the last few weeks, that's why, because Matt has finally got his Ted Drew's ice cream back. We kind of noticed you were a little down, a little depressed <laughs> here. Yeah, the dark days of winter, they're over, John. Good times uh, are ahead. Oh, I wish they were, Matt, but I tell you what, I'm looking at the forecast. We're supposed to get more snow and more cold. But it's always on the weekends. What's the deal? So, well, first, you know, it's hard to have worship and yeah. people be able to make it safely but then too there's no snow days for the kids <laughs> our fifth grade right. girl is very upset with that <laughs> yeah that's right. What's not the happy. deal why every saturday and sunday so did you have church this weekend uh we did we did for the handful of people well yes. actually what i did is i sent out an email to everybody say come saturday night because yes. we might not be there sunday morning and we actually did have a pretty good attendance good saturday some people took me up that's a that good offer. option um, you know what my take is on this, though, Matt? I, I think it shows you the grace of God, because God knows that, that okay, we Christians, we can deal with that. 
God still loves us. If we can't get to church, we know that he'll still be there and his sacrament and his word. But but for the sake of the people that are out there working, it's probably better to have it on a weekend than to have it on a a weekday because those people have to get out. They got to go to work. They you know. So I'm just thinking maybe that's a good. God says I can let my people struggle a little bit to be a blessing to others. So I don't know. That's just a thought. But I had. the snow days for the kids, John. The snow days. <laughs> well, that's okay. The kids need to go to school. But but that is true. They yes, the kids go can go school. to school, and that is what's best for them. Yeah. You sound so responsible. <laughs> so. You've and you on the point. other side, oh man, if the kids are out of school, we could go to Ted Drew's. <laughs> we wouldn't have to wait until tonight when they get off of school. Right, we, could we could go, go right now, even though the snow is coming down. So what did you want to talk about? You said you wanted to talk about something about Isaiah and, and the Gospel of Luke. What in the yeah. world would Isaiah and Luke have in common? What's the deal? So, yeah, uh, yeah you keep bringing up the lectionary over these, these past few weeks. Are reckless Just the a basics, second. So. Yeah, there's no time for All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, we got you. our Ted Drews out of the uh, way. Yes. Uh, so the lectionary is is something that we follow too, and yeah. and it's this idea that we're not alone in what we look at, what we focus on in our scripture readings. There's lots of Lutherans out there, and even lots of Christians out there who are focusing their attention on those readings, and it it kind of takes us through the life of Christ really yeah. throughout the course yeah. of the year. So, uh, the Old Testament reading, the Gospel reading, a lot of times has something in common. That's actually how it's supposed to be. Yes. Yeah, that was by design. Yeah. You know that. That's not a fluke or accident. That, yeah. 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 yeah sometimes cause... you got to search for it, right? Well, but but see, the thing is, is we've always had the Gospel lessons. Well, now we got the three-year lectionary. But, but, but people don't understand that. At a time, the Church did not read from the Old Testament. That seems so strange to us today, but yeah. for hundreds and hundreds of years, they did not read from the Old Testament. So what was that? I think somewhere in the 60s that someone said, you know, we need to have Old Testament lessons. And so they were actually handpicked to match the, uh, the, gospel the existing yeah, gospel the existing readings. gospel readings. Yeah. yeah. Well, whoever we have to thank, thank you for yeah. that. Um, because there's some great connections. There's there some is. beautiful ones. And, and I think some weeks, uh, maybe it's more obvious than others. This week, I think it's pretty obvious and it's it's pretty cool. And I think we can learn from it. So let's look at one reading from Isaiah, one reading from Luke. Okay. And okay. so this, on this a given Sunday, this was the chosen yes. Old Testament and the chosen yes. gospel. All right. Where in, do you want me to read? Well, let's, let's pick up with Isaiah chapter six. These are some of those famous words in Isaiah that call of Isaiah. So okay. we'll begin with verse one. Let's do, yeah, let's do. So uh, like the phone was ringing and Isaiah picked it up. Yeah. So the call. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, John. <laughs> it was not his phone. No, I uh, saw so caller when, when, ID was would have been different. Where they would have texted. <laughs> Do you think <laughs> if, if this had been written in our day and age, they wouldn't have called Isaiah? They would have texted him. What's up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not much. <laughs> in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And by the way, can I just interrupt you for a second? <laughs> Well, we got through one verse. Well, no, okay. no, because this is something that, see, I don't know where we had this text. We had this text a long time ago. Sure. We're doing a different lectionary, one-year lectionary. But it occurred to me, so just the the, the train of his of his robe. So you know what the train is, don't you? Yeah, the, the, yeah sure. The, yeah, just the, the little, back of his the robe. Little tag sure. That filled the temple. Just that. Yeah, so I thought, because we have this image of God dwelling in the temple, and yet the picture is, he really couldn't. He couldn't fit in the temple. In fact, the very train of his robe, that would fill the temple. So so please understand that, yeah, God dwells in the temple, but not like a man would dwell, because God's way too big to fit. 
But it just tickled me. So the train, the train of his, it fills the He's temple. a big, big guy. He's a and, big, big And uh, I think uh, it's the temple. Okay, so we yeah. have this picture, I think, too, of even the, in the incense, that smoke filling oh, the yeah. temple. Yep, and, yep. and it harkens back to that. But it's uh, keep in mind, though, this is this, this vision, okay? Okay. So it's the temple, but it's also, it seems to be heaven itself. So we have this, ah. okay, this heavenly vision taking okay. place. But, boy, it, it does have these overtones of the temple itself in the midst of that vision. Well, so, so kind of the temple was heaven on earth? Well, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's well put. It's the place where God dwells. Yeah. Okay. So that if you, yeah, it's certainly heaven on earth, right? And we have other images here too. Uh, so we have the the temple, but then also we're going to get to the seraphim in a second uh, I, here. But it's a reminder of well, what was in the holies, holies in the temple? Well, the the ark of the covenant. What was on top of the ark of the covenant? These the, these angels, the right? Angels, these winged cherub, angels, cherubim. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we have all these pictures here. The other thing I think is kind of interesting, since we we stopped after the first verse, um, <clears throat> in the year of King Uzziah, he sees the Lord sitting high upon a throne. Throne, yeah. So which I think is kind of cool. So King Uzziah, he's gonna he's gonna come and go, right? Yep, yep. Uh, but but God, he's he's gonna be enthroned forever. And so this is an eternal king. This is something different beyond this world. And King Uzziah is a good guy too, right? As I remember, yeah. But this still, is one of the yeah, better but, kings, but still, he's not—he's not the big yep, guy. Exactly. No, no. Even he is uh, even the finest and greatest king that the Israelites had, and he was one of them. I think along yeah. with David and with Solomon. But yeah. still, no, no. The real king has always been the Lord. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay. Yeah. If you want to keep on going, sure. First, how about uh, two and three? Okay. Above him stood the seraphim. So that's more than one seraph. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those of you that are counting, plural, yes. <laughs> yeah. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Man, we do that in our church service. We sing that all the time in our church, especially when we're having communion. Isn't that neat? Yeah, yeah. so right before communion, we, we say those words. Holy, and we holy, say, holy, holy. No, yeah, that's a different yeah, that's song. a different one, but it's, it's close. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so we, we, we talk about with angels and archangels like angels. and all the company of heaven. Yeah. We love to magnify your glorious name. Remember, praising you, saying, holy, holy, holy. So we, we're calling that, calling upon those in a way, those angels and archangels joining our voices with theirs in this exact same song that these angels are singing. So that's pretty cool that when we're gathered together in worship, sure, it's the body of Christ there, and we see each other in the pews singing those words, but we're also joining our voices with the angels above at the very same time. And the, whole, cool. the whole host of yeah, heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that always yeah. makes the hairs on the back of my neck uh, go up because I'm thinking about my beloved wife, uh, my first wife, and, and my grandmother and my father and mother. You know, so all these saints who have departed this, and yet we're it is heaven on earth when we get together and yes. worship isn't it yeah. yeah yeah and we're guaranteed that they're worshiping the same time we are so they're they're really always in worship yeah, yeah. and when we join our voices in worship that visible church yeah we're guaranteed they're worshiping too right along with us isn't that cool yeah it is it is cool and what a powerful picture here and it gets even more dramatic in the next couple of verses and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Yeah, so the foundations, the thresholds, they shake. There's this voice, right? The voice the voice and, and the smoke and we just we see and we hear all these things taking place and all that Isaiah can do is say 
woe is me. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, I think of all those times in the scriptures where we have this uh, a, a, a glimpse of God or even just an angel that arrives and people just are, are, are afraid. Right. Yeah. But woe is me. And he becomes keenly aware right away of his uncleanness, of his sin. Here is God. And here is Isaiah, who's not God, <laughs> a creature. <laughs> this is what happens when a creature is in the presence of the creator. And you realize that you're that fallen creature. And all you can do is just say, say, woe is me. I'm you know, a man I, of unclean lips. You, you know, I, I have an app on my phone called Not a God. And, and and you can take a picture and it will tell you whether it's God or not. What? And 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 literally everything you take a picture of it says not God. Not God. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> but I, I think that's that's the distinction. There's really two categories. There's the creator and there's the creation. Yeah. What's in the creator category? God. What's yeah. in the creation category? Well, pretty much everything else. Everything else. Everything really, else. including yeah. the angels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so Isaiah is aware of this, and I think that's interesting. That that all I can say is, "Woe is me." And I, I hope that we don't lose that um, that sense of awe in worship, especially as we we sing those words, "Holy, holy, holy." That that we recognize the the depth of our sin, yeah. but also the, the the holiness and and also the grace of God too. Something that sometimes maybe we take for granted. Both of those things, the depth of our sin and just the the holiness of God and and His greatness. Well, don't you think we take for granted? those things because we take for granted one of those things. So if you, if you really don't understand that you are a poor, miserable sinner of sin and thought, word and deed, then you really truly want to understand a God of grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You really have to have both of those to fully comprehend those. Yeah, right. It's long gospel, right? Yeah. Really. Yeah. 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 And it is interesting in, in Lutheran worship uh, that that uh, very often that's exactly how we begin our worship with these same words. Woe is me. I'm a man of sinful lips. Everybody around me are sinners as well. Because uh, uh, I think sometimes we forget that it is heaven on earth. And if that's true, if we're coming into the presence of the glory of God, our first reaction should be just the reaction of, of uh, uh, Isaiah here. That, yeah, we are a sinful being and we deserve nothing but his temporal and eternal punishment. That's right. Now, we say that. I don't know that we always mean it, but I think it's the right words. It's what we yes. should be thinking. Yes, yeah. Yeah. definitely, definitely. And in a worship, God doesn't leave us there, right? Ah, that's the cool thing. That's the yeah, cool thing. Yeah. And and he doesn't leave Isaiah there either. No, no. So, uh, yeah, verses 6 uh, six and 7. <laughs> Although I'm thinking, I don't know, I, I don't know if I like this either. <laughs> well, because <laughs> then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. So he can't touch it himself. Yep. He's using tongs. And a yet, burning coal. Yet he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for what is that all about well boy yes so there's it's very tactile right so we have this burning coal and i think it it goes back to uh the the temple right and the burning of incense and the burning of sacrifice suppose and these tongs being used there in that worship of god and then this this same instruments used to touch his lips um but very you know tactile um, it touches his lips, the the feeling, the touch. Uh, and I think, too, in worship, how that takes place, too. I think of Holy Communion, when we as a people with unclean lips receive something on our lips, too, and we taste and we touch and we feel. And it's it's the touch of bread, the touch of wine, the touch of Christ himself, really, under those elements. Uh, that does the exact same thing that this burning coal did for Isaiah, right? Your sin is taken away, your guilt, your sin atoned for. Christ is the one who's atoned for it, and we receive it, too, on our lips. And and so the cool thing is, is if you really 
understand what's going on, that it really is the body. This is my body and this is my blood. Then there ought to be a little bit of awe and maybe yes. a little bit of, of, I don't know, shakiness, but, but the, the realization, wow, we have come into the very physical presence of the Almighty God himself. Although... Not with fear, not with fear, because we understand that the result of eating and drinking that will be exactly what he said, the body given and the blood shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. The sins atoned for, as Isaiah says here, yeah. Well, I think in in some ways our awe should be even greater. I mean, this is not just a burning coal, this is Jesus himself that's coming to us. Wow. And then I think the other interesting thing is uh, Isaiah says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. He confesses that sin. And then what does Isaiah do after that? Nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you stumped me. I, think, well, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think he did anything. You're right. Yes. Nothing, right? No. He, he, that's it. God does it all. Yeah. Yeah. God is the one who they, they takes up this tongue, right? Touches his mouth, takes away the guilt, atones for the sin. Yeah. God does it all. And again, in worship, same deal. As we come to the Lord's table in communion, we don't do anything. We just no. we, we even get down on our knees, don't we? Yeah. B- before the Lord, there at the communion rail, and, and we just receive. We just receive the forgiveness of sins for Jesus' sake. Yeah, and and, and thank you for emphasizing that because yeah, it's not a work. Going to the Lord's Supper nope. is not a work nope. we do, so that God will do something good for nope. us. You're right. No, it's just us receiving the great work that God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. Yeah, good point. No, God does all this with a purpose, okay? You okay. sin this uh, taken away, atoned for. Yeah. But then it goes on here. If we want to do verses, right. uh, verse 8. So there's a fruit that flows from this. Yes. It doesn't yeah, end there. Yeah. Okay. And I heard the word, voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Oh, isn't that neat? Us. Got the Trinity there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Then I said, Here I am, send me. Yeah. So again, what does Isaiah do? Well, not much. God is the one who does the calling. Yeah, yeah. And then Isaiah says, you send me. And I, I like that you point that out. Who will go for us? Well, some have said that, well, maybe it's it's God and the the seraphim is the us. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think you're exactly right. It's, it's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think the other neat thing is that holy, holy, holy word we heard ah, earlier, that threefold yeah. holy. I think we can, yeah, we can apply that to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father is holy, the Son is holy, holy. the Spirit is holy too. So the Trinity, who will go for us, Isaiah, here am I, send me. It's kind of a cool thing to be going for God. Yeah. That's a neat position to be given. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one that's not easy, right? We, no, we read no. on what happens to Isaiah. He walks around naked for a while and he's, <laughs> he's, he's ignored and all sorts of stuff happens to the guy. You're not going to start doing that, but, are you? <laughs> Warn me if you are, like, uh, yeah. okay? Yeah, well, good thing we're on radio, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, now we, we want to look and see uh, at a parallel here with, okay. with, with Peter, okay, in the Ooh. Gospel of Luke. Okay. okay, this is the Gospel reading that accompanies what we just heard All in right. the Old Testament reading. All right. So what chapter in Luke would you like so to go So chapter through? 5 in Luke, okay? All right. So let's uh, let's see here. Uh, boy, uh, I guess we'll start with verse 1, verses 1 through, uh, through 4. Okay. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. That's kind of a cool yeah. picture. So they're pressing it so much, so eager to hear Jesus teaching, that he has to get in a boat just to give him some breathing room, yeah. and preaches not from a pulpit, but from a boat as he's sitting down. 
And yet, if I'm thinking I'm Simon, who's who's been fishing all night and was actually getting ready to go home, clean the nets and yep, head for yep, home. Yep, that's what they're doing. All right, yeah. So okay, yeah. All right, Jesus. Sure, thanks. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't think yeah, he's really. probably too excited about this. Do yeah. You? No, but, yeah. but probably no. not. He's weary, right? Yeah. And so, and then we hear what comes next is Jesus, this former carpenter, tells yeah. this fisherman. How to do his job. All right. So yeah, and, so if you want to read the, the next verses, maybe through verse nine. And when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets, uh, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. But I think that's cool. At, at your word. Yeah. And you wonder, yeah. you wonder, you don't want to make too much of that. But, but this, perhaps a statement of faith at your word, because you said to Jesus, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Everything looks like it's foolishness, but Jesus said it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. But I think it is kind of cool that there's even kind of a little reluctance, probably, in his voice and his attitude no, at this point. Yeah, I imagine so. You know, I know how to fish. You don't catch fish in the middle of the day. All right. Okay. If you say so. <clears throat> and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Yeah, so you see the connection here between Peter and Isaiah. So here, Peter also also in the presence of God, just as Isaiah was, and he sees something miraculous too, this catch of fish. And Peter's a fisherman. He knows just how miraculous this is. This wasn't just some lucky fishing expedition, no. God was behind this, and all that he can do is get down at Jesus' knees and say, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Again, in the midst of, of in the presence of someone holy, in the, the holy Jesus here, all that Peter can say is, uh, I'm a sinful man, Lord. Depart from me. I'm unworthy. So similar to, to Isaiah, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, realizing that because he had just assumed Jesus is just another teacher and, all right, I'll go fishing if you want me to go fishing. But now he realizes, no, he's more than just a human yes. teacher. Yes, yeah. He is. The, and, and he'll have that revelation over and over again, won't he? Yeah. So the, the parallels don't stop there. Let's read verses uh, 10 and 11, too. Okay. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Yeah. So again, that, that do not be afraid, right? And then what, what does Jesus do? Well, he commissions now yeah. Peter and James and John too. Uh, from now on, you'll be catching men. And they, they leave their boats there and f- they leave everything. Uh, and followed him. I think it's amazing. You know, the, the biggest catch of their lives. This yeah. is something they'd probably be talking about as fishermen for years to come. They leave it. They yeah. leave it there. What yeah. happened to the fish? I don't know. I'm sure someone <laughs> took care of them. But it seems like pretty immediately they leave everything and they follow Jesus. Um, so two parallels here between Isaiah and Peter and God's call for them both. Next week, if we have a little bit of time in the morning, in, in the uh, beginning of the show, maybe we could just make a quick yeah, connection yeah. to us. Right, that, that sounds that's, good. That's the next thing, too. How do we fit in all this? How are we like Isaiah? How are we like Peter in the midst of these two I accounts? think that's a great plan. So is that Isaiah? We got Peter. How does this apply to yeah. us? And and I, if you don't mind, I think I'll also take some time to find out. Maybe this isn't quite spectacular as it sounds like, though, because I always read this as a kid, and they left everything and followed him. Well... Yeah, but there's more story behind that, too. So, all right, some things to talk about this next week. Very good. This has been Wrestling Wrestling with with the the basics. Basics.